Limited A to Z Sports. I am Zach Bingham. He is Jack Gentry, and we are powered by BetMGM. Use the promo code ATOZ Sports or ATOZ200, and they'll hook you up. That is the best app. They are the king of the sports books. Got to thank our presenting sponsors as well, not just our title, which includes Farm Bureau Health Plans, better coverage, better service, better rates. I have signed up for Farm Bureau Health Plans, and I love that I have signed up for Farm Bureau Health Plans fbhp.com slash a to z bone and joint institute don't fumble on your recovery state-of-the-art facility down there in franklin plus satellite locations all across middle tennessee visit the bone and joint institute near you and wilson county hyundai wilsoncountyhyundai.com quick trip down i-40 exit 236 Payne bone and his team have your perfect make and model you've just got to go find it all right jack Let's start this bad boy off with a little Roger McCreary talk. Now, this is interesting, right? So pick 35 comes around in the second round on day two. I was in Vegas for the draft, and I remember where I was when the pick was announced, and all of a sudden they announce cornerback out of Auburn, Roger McCreary. What first, let's just dive into what did you think about the pick? And then we'll talk about the impact. We've got a little video courtesy of Ben Arthur on Roger McCreary. And look, I, I got to say, he's got some good hands in this video that we will play. But what was your initial reaction when the Titans drafted a cornerback? You know, there was talk of quarterback. There were talk of all tight end. I mean, so many different positions were on the board because it was early in day two. What did you think? Well, my initial reaction was kind of, you know, shocked. Uh, those who are watching the the draft show on A to Z, they they know how I felt about it. I was I was a little confused because the Titans in, entered the draft with needs at wide receiver, with needs at tackle, maybe a left guard, maybe an interior offensive lineman as well, and then uh, you have the tight end as well. The, the 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 issue was they were kind of in a tough spot at that thirty five position, right? Because you didn't want to reach for a tight end at 35. Those guys would come later. Trey McBride did come later. Um, and obviously the Titans found a nice one in Chigakonkwu in the fourth round. Um, so the tight ends were probably out of the discussion by the time the Titans were on the clock at 35. And again, they had just drafted Traylon Burks. Now, I know that they didn't add a receiver by drafting Traylon Burks. They replaced one after AJ went up to Philadelphia. So there were questions whether, whether the Titans may double up at receiver. I don't know if that was the right strategy, but obviously with the questions at offensive line, it wasn't that far-fetched to assume that a tackle may be taken there. But then again, you know, all the top tackles had just gone in the first round. So you were kind of on that second wave there as well. Um, so I, I think my reaction was initially shocked. Um, and and I, maybe I was just caught off guard because they went corner. But, you know, after looking at it, and this is what I said to – on the draft show you you couldn't you're not allowed to be upset with the titans drafting a corner at that spot if you were in the same camp um to draft an offensive lineman because the need at corner is essentially the same need at offensive at offensive tackle the question marks are there on both sides you've got raidens at right tackle you've got farley who's played in just three games taking just 60 snaps on the defensive side of the ball so you don't really know what you have in either of those guys so if you wanted an offensive lineman and not a corner, I don't think that that's right because you can't have one without the other, knowing that neither of those two guys, Farley and Raidens, have really shown anything at the NFL level so far. Yeah, and 
there's look all of those guys from last year's draft class as the years go by your expectations are raised right you start to really think okay you know you kind of get somewhat of a pass now some get bigger passes than other for your rookie year right of if you don't perform or if you have an injury or you don't get opportunity okay well what can you do in year two but that also depends on where you're drafted and when they drafted McCreary, I, I sat there and kind of scratched my head to say, look, they got rid of Jack Rackham Jenkins, so that, mm-hmm. I think, was a good decision. And they got younger, and I liked the way McCreary played. I was surprised. I, I was kind of like you. I thought they were going to take a tackle. Like, I thought they were going to take an offensive lineman. They ended up doing that in the third round with uh, with uh, for, or Petit Ferrer. Mm-hmm. But I, I think for McCreary... You sit there and you say, are they sold on Farley? Are they questioning if he'll be able to give you what they need? I mean, he's a McCreary is a healthy young stallion. I mean, he's he's 22 <laughs> years old. He's spry. He he, you know, he he's not coming off of injury. He's, you know, fully healthy. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of that that was what I was reading between the tea leaves. Is this indicative of what they think? Caleb Farley can be earlier in the season because of his ACL. And we'll talk about that a, a little bit later, but one of the main things, and this is actually funny because as we knew we were going to do this show, I started doing a little bit of research and I sat there and I said, who is Roger McCreary? And I found out about one thing that I did not know. Jack, did you know in his personal life, McCreary's pregame meal is two plates of baked beans and eight packets of sugar. I, I had written that down. I was going to bring it up today. I saw a story about it yesterday. How insane is that? I mean, if that if that doesn't speak to a dog mentality, I don't know what does. Baked beans and sugar before a game. What a savage pregame meal to have. I mean, if, if the guy I'm playing against is eating, shoving baked beans down his throat before the game, I'm in. I'm in for a long day at the. Office. I don't think it's the baked beans. I think it's the eight packets of sugar on top of the baked beans. Baked beans are sweet. If you get brown sugar baked beans by Bush's baked beans, that incredible roll that incredible bean footage. I mean, I, eight packets of sugar. This guy. Are those PEDs? Is that? Are you on a sugar high? Are you? You're jacked up. You bring that segment back, but I don't know whether that's a red flag or a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it did what it could happen. I mean, we talked about guys struggling to stay on the field. Roger McCreary by eating baked beans and eight packets of sugar before every game. I mean, he may miss a drive, you know, every other game just because of what comes with the baked beans and what comes with the sugar. Um, I'm talking about inside of you. Um, so yeah, that that's a that's a wild pregame meal. I'm surprised that a, a nutritionist hasn't kind of stepped in McCreary's way and said, "Hey, how about instead of eight packs of the sugar, let's just do like uh, maybe some salt and pepper, maybe maybe a little hot sauce, maybe not eight packets of Splenda or whatever the hell he's dumping on those baked beans." Yeah, I I don't know how you do it. Well, so let's get into our our question and our conversation because you know. McCreary comes in there and I think that he can make an immediate impact uh, to what degree we're about to find out our opinions. But I think, you know, drafting in the second round, you have to expect him to come in there and at least get the opportunity. I mean, he's going to get on the field. 
Jackrabbit Jenkins played a lot last year. And look, he was bad at times, but he was okay at times. I will I will say that. I mean, we've seen worse cornerbacks in Titans history like Bleedy Ray Wilson and <laughs> Cody Sensislaw back in the day. You know, I don't think they're dealing with those type of guys. I think McCreary can go, and it's a nice complimentary piece to what Farley, Farley is going to bring, whether you know what that is or not. And then, obviously, Christian Fulton. Christian Fulton out of LSU, the draft pick from a couple of years ago. That was, I think, he has proven his value and his worth. Let's talk about Fulton real quick. What have you thought about what Christian Fulton has been able to do uh, in his short time as a Titan? Well, last year was a pleasant surprise, wasn't it? I know he missed some time. He, he got put on the IR kind of in that first quarter of the season, missed four games last year, and only played six the season before. So, that you know, there is some stuff. Now, it's not necessarily to the level of Farley where you've seen him just three games and he's got all this injury history. I think Farley – or I think um, Fulton's injury history is less severe than Farley's, obviously, but – I liked what I saw of him. I mean, a second-year guy who was going up against the other team's number one for a, a good portion uh, of the season, and what they did, what the Titans didn't really do last year was let Fulton move from side to side. Right? He, they wouldn't let him really shadow one certain guy. They kind of kept him on that right side, let him hold that down while, while Jack Rabbit had the left side of the defense when you're facing the quarterback. Um, but I, what I, what I'm expecting to see this year is them letting Farley have a little bit more responsibility, or excuse me, Fulton have a little bit more responsibility when, you know, we talk about them playing the AFC West, when um, Juju Smith-Schuster, when Mike Williams comes to town, when uh, Devontae Adams comes to town. I would like to see Fulton kind of shadowing those dudes. I, I want to see Fulton locking those guys up throughout the game. And Isn't that why they drafted Caleb Farley, though? Well, yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, I, th I think it's it's time to maybe temper our expectations when it comes to Farley. You know what you have in Fulton. Like you mentioned, you got to see it last year. He got to go up against top, you know, top competition, and he held his own. I mean, the Jamar Chase screen pass was the biggest blemish of the season, but, I mean, I thought Fulton did a fine job throughout the course of the regular season. I just want to see him have the, have the, uh, have the freedom in that Titans secondary to kind of move and follow dudes um, that could really hurt the Titans' defense because, look, Caleb Farley, while he was drafted in the first round, while he's a, a, a freak of nature and fast as all get out, it takes these dudes, and, and Farley's not a rookie, but in terms of game experience, he is a rookie. I mean, I don't want Farley to line up against, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs in or Stephon Diggs in the second week of the season. That's uh, that's that's a bad situation to put him in. I mean, that's a nightmare situation to put Farley in. You still don't really know where he's at, what he's got. Fulton's a known commodity, man. You got to put that guy up against the other team's best, best on best. I think Fulton holds his own. All right, we're going to see some video on Roger McCreary from Rookie Minicamp, but first, and ask you guys a question on the impact from the second-round pick. 35th overall, too. That's top of the second round. I mean, that's, I mean, you are inches away from being a first-round pick. You're not going to get the fifth-year option, and uh, you're not going to get the, the money that a first-round pick gets. But we are going to dive deeper into that. But first, I am going to tell you guys, about Wilson County Hyundai. Wilson County Hyundai is the place to go for you guys to get your perfect make and model, whether it's the Palisade, the, the Palisade, the full-size SUV, or the Ionic, which is battery-powered. It doesn't need fuel because gas is so high. If you do have to have a gas-powered car, get the Sonata that I own. It is very fuel-efficient. Whether it's the Tucson or the Santa Fe, they've got you covered. Wilson County Hyundai, 
Payne Bone, family owned and operated by his family. And Payne's a great guy. Uh, we've we've done business business with him for several years. He will hook you up with a great deal. That's WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Yes, another great deal is if you download the BetMGM app, do this after the show ends. If you're a sports better and you don't have it, you're already doing it wrong, but you can fix that. Download the BetMGM app. Use promo code A to Z200, A-T-O-Z-200. Put a $10 money line wager on the on the single NBA game going on tonight. You've got the Celtics. You've got the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. So you put $10 on the money line for either of those teams. And when one three-pointer is made in that ball game, that $10 turns into $200. Oh, by the way, you could still win that money line bet. So this is $10 turning into $200. When one team hits a three-pointer in that game, doesn't have to be the team you bet on even. It could be the other team. But when one three is hit in that game, your $10 money line wager turns into $200 with promo code ATOZ200. A to Z200, $10 money line wager turns into $200 when one three-pointer is made in tonight's Eastern Conference Finals. All right, let's get to Roger McCreary, second-round pick out of Auburn. He, he has some... I think tenacity to him. He's six foot two, so he's not one of those smaller guys. I mean, you're six foot, you're a corner, you're going up against bigger wide receivers, especially in the SEC. Let's take a look at this this video from Ben Arthur, the Tennessean, uh, that I saw on Twitter. I like, look, it seems like he may have done something wrong at the beginning to make him redo the drill, but at the end, look at the hands on McCreary. That was a little quick swipe right there. That's one of those you jumped in front of the wide receiver. He was waiting for it to come to his body, and then all of a sudden, McCreary snags it. And that thing was coming in hot, too. Yeah, that was impressive. He's got good hands. Look, he was was drafted for his ball skills. I mean, this dude in college was tested often and tested often by high-level quarterbacks and having to play against high-level wide receivers. I mean, we talk about Traylon Burks. He had to play against Traylon Burks. When Malik Willis was at Auburn, he got to be, you know, in practice, he went up against Malik Willis at Auburn and Jared Stidham. So, you you know, the competition he's faced is as as high as it gets. And, I mean, the the guy, he's able to break up passes. We talk about the ability to, you know, get your hands on the football. We saw Trevon Diggs in his rookie season just kind of take the league by storm when it came to interceptions. Now his coverage wasn't as great consistently but he's able to get his hands on the football. You get your hands on the football, anything can happen. Roger McCreary in college at Auburn in 2021 um, led the Power Five in pass breakups. 13 pass breakups in 2021. Led the Power Five. You know who number two was? Theo Jackson. So John Robinson's put an emphasis on dudes who can make plays on the football. Roger McCreary is exactly that, and I think that's the, the type of cornerback you need in today's NFL. Well, and that's kind of what the cornerback position has kind of maturated into, right? Like, and that I think it has to do mainly with the wide receiver position. It's who you're covering, right? Plus the tight ends have gotten better when you've got to break off of coverage. Can you tackle, right? Can you, can you tackle a big, can you tackle George Kittle or, or Travis Kelsey, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, so five, 
six, five, seven, five, eight guys. They can't, you know, like, I mean, you're not, you're not going to be able to do that. Travis Kelsey going to run your ass over, but you got to have a bigger build. And I think that is, it's kind of what, as you kind of mentioned that what the Titans have tried to do in organizing their defense. Let's watch this one more time because I like that little swipe. And then we're going to ask you guys on a scale of one to 10, how important is Roger McCreary to the Titans defensive success in 2022? So that's the question we're going to be asking on a scale of one to 10, 10 being he's going to be the next reincarnation of Alteron Werner the year before he went to Tampa. That's, that's the bar. That's 10 pro bowl um, Werner. One is doesn't play a snap, right? So uh, there's your scale on a one to 10. How important is Roger McCurry to the Titans defense success? We'll take another look at Ben Arthur's video that he shot at uh, minicamp from the Tennessean. Here it is. So there you go. How important is Roger McCurry to the Titans' defense success in 2022? Uh, let's go to the comments section and see what we have here. If you'll uh, look, yeah, we've got a lot of numbers rolling in, and I think that they're higher than maybe I expected. I mean, second round pick, it's definitely going to do make some waves. Brandon says seven. Marquis says seven. Billy Jones six point five. Donald says seven. So right now we're averaging. Six six nine. I'll go ahead and say Will uh, Dawson says six. Jake six. Marvin seven. Guy five. And uh, Demetrius says Caleb Farley is injury prone, and Elijah Molden can't cover receivers who have speed and uh, precision route running. Ooh, so look, a little Uh, diagnosis there. What do you think about Demetrius and what he has to say? I thought Molden got significantly better as the season progressed last year. And again, he's going to be working in the slot. So he's not going up against, you know, these, these big tall receivers, like you mentioned, or the, even the tight ends where he's got to make tackles. He's a smaller dude. He's Cortland Finnegan light right now. I think that he can have a big season. I, I really did thought he, uh, I thought he came along pretty well towards the end of the season. The, the first half, the really the first quarter of the season was really tough on him. I mean, there were clear adjustments. There was, Clearly, a, a you know, a learning curve for Molden heading into the season. But I thought he, I thought he held his own by the time the season came to a wrap. Let's get back to the uh, the comment section. Scale of one to ten, how important is McCreary to the Titans' defense in twenty twenty two? Jonathan with a six. Our lowest score so far. Jason with a four. Chris six. Derek eight. Six point five from Dustin. Six from Rusty. Charles says seven because they lost Jackrabbit. Seven from Jeff. Another seven from Demetrius. Brent says seven. Maurice says seven. Uh, eight from Dion. Jacob says seven. Ruben says seven. Nicholas with five. Johnny Lee with eight. Six point nine from Mark. Four point five from Eric. So really, the lowest score that I think we got was four. The highest. Roland says eight. Another lockdown corner will make this defense elite, and there's high expectations for this defense going into this season because of what they've put together, who they've re-signed, like Harold Landry in that front four that is coming back. Jack, where are you on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm surprised we saw any anybody go lower than really a 6. 
I think Roger McCreary is going to be a, a, a huge player for the Titans this year, at least an important player. We'll see how he performs. But, uh, I mean, when, when you're talking about the guys that the Titans have at cornerback, I mean, Christian Fulton's missed 14 games in two seasons. Um, Caleb Farley missed 14 games last year coming off another ACL injury. You can't have too many quarterbacks. I mean, when you look at the Titans' schedule, the quarterbacks are going to be—they're going to be playing in the in the seat. Let's talk about the the two of the first three guys they're playing. Uh, they, they've got to go to Buffalo and face Josh Allen in Week Two. Then Derek Carr comes to town in Week Three with Devonta Adams. Uh, you've still got to go through, you know, the Mahomes, the Russell Wilson, the Aaron Rodgers, the Joe Burrow stretch right there. And you've got Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott later on in the season. These are some of the game's best quarterbacks. I mean, you're probably playing eight of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now, excluding Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. Um, so for me, it's an eight. I'm going eight as well. I think that's as high as we saw it. I'm, I got to go there as well, just because you don't know what you have in Farley. Fulton hasn't played a full season yet. Now I think that this year is the year he could do that. You never, you never can predict injuries though. The Titans have not had great injury luck in years past, but when you have these teams and you have these quarterbacks coming into town, this isn't a two cornerback league anymore, right? You got to have more than two solid cornerbacks. I mean, they're the, the offense. You really got to have four. You, you've got to have four. And let's go through the depth real quick because they obviously have Fulton, they have Farley, they add McCreary. But the next few guys, you've got Elijah Molden, Buster Screen, who I thought was effective in limited snaps last year, Chris Jackson, a seventh round pick, who really was thrust into a bigger role than he probably should have been playing. But because of injuries, the seventh rounder had to step up. And he did at times last year. But there were some times where it was clear that Chris Jackson probably doesn't need to be playing um, 60, 70% of the defensive snaps. And I think everybody will agree with that. And then you have Greg Maben, who kind of brought off the street in, in tough COVID times. But you obviously, you need McCreary to be effective. Um, again, I, I, I'm not even sold that Farley wins the job for week one. I think McCreary can come in and compete. We talk about you know pro football focus, and I know those those ratings over there seem a bit ambiguous at times. You know, it's kind of hard to fathom how they come up with some of this stuff. But as, if, since PFF has been around, Roger McCreary's twenty twenty one, or I mean, excuse me, Roger McCreary's career was the second highest graded career in PFF history in the SEC amongst cornerbacks. The only one that was in front of him was Patrick Sertain the second who's up in Denver after being a first-round pick. So the dude excelled in college. I think he's on track to have a big season as a rookie and in a really important role for the Titans. And also, we talk about – I liked how he interviewed at rookie OTAs. I thought he interviewed really well. He seems like a sponge. After playing in Derek Mason's defense, and I know Middle Tennessee and Derek Mason, they probably don't have a great relationship right now after how he left Vandy and kind of how the team turned last couple of seasons he was there. But as a defensive coordinator, he's one of college football's best. He really is. And I think that having him in college for McCreary was, a, you know, an advantage compared to some of the other guys coming out of, you know, Elijah Molden coming out of Washington. Um, even Caleb Farley coming out, out of VT. Derek Mason is as good as it gets when it comes to defensive minds in college. So I, I do think McCreary will be a sponge. I think that he'll learn to play inside and outside. He's not slow. He ran a 4-5-40 at the Combine. So that's fine. He handles it. He handles himself well in deep ball situations. I think he was targeted uh, 18 times, 20 or more yards down the field last year and allowed just two catches. I mean, just two catches on deep balls last year. So McCreary's going to have a big role. And these guys that are coming into Tennessee and the Titans are going out to face, they've got big arms. 
they will test the Titans secondary deep down the field. McCreary is going to be a big part of, of really just kind of holding the wall in that Titans secondary and allowing the front four and the front seven really to do their thing and get to the quarterback. So, and I think it all comes down to what Rooney says, Farley better do something, right? I mean, that is the key, and we'll get to Farley here shortly in a conversation. Caleb Farley is the key catalyst to all this. He's a first-round pick. So why did you go ahead and draft Roger McCreary? Well, I think you drafted him because you cut Jackrabbit Jenkins. And Jackrabbit was overpaid last year and would have been overpaid this year if you hadn't cut him. So that was the right decision by the Titans. That made a lot of sense. And then they replaced that, you know, with a higher-round pick. Now, they just flipped it. You know, they we knew going into the draft, what did they need? Well, the A.J. Brown situation was what it was, but they needed a wide receiver. We knew that. They needed an offensive lineman. We knew that. And they needed a tight end. We knew that. But the other position on that list was corner. Like, we had said that. Secondary depth. I like this pick. I really do. Because I question Caleb Farley pick. And I, I look, I've questioned a couple of picks. I loved the A.J. Brown pick. I questioned the Caleb Farley pick, but I'll admit I questioned the Jeffrey Simmons pick because of his past. He's proved everybody and all of his critics wrong with what he has done on the field and, you know, kind of helped himself from the incident, you know, dating back, you know, in high school. He's grown up, right, in that sense. And so I was I was wrong there. I like I like Roger McCurry, though. I think the impact is probably closer to, I think it's closer to a six than a seven, eight, or nine. It's definitely not a 10, but I think it's closer to a six. He also is still a rookie, right? Every time, like I, my expectations, and we'll probably talk about this this week, for Kyle Phillips is a lot higher than it probably should be. Because once you get on the field and once you start diagnosing what these guys can do, you settle in, you say, oh, he's still a fifth-round pick. He's still a rookie. Roger McCreary is still a rookie. Whatever you want to say about Caleb Farley, he still went through practices last year. He still played in a game, right? He still was working and went through training camp to get healthy. He still was coached by professionals. He was still able to you know, live his life as a professional. That's also a grow-up phase from a kid, you know, Roger McCurry is 22 years old. So still a rookie. Christian Fulton, though, I mean, Jack, here's best case scenario. Christian Fulton was a second round pick, correct? Yes. He's turned out pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. And he probably could have been a first round pick if he didn't have, the, you know, the the issues, the, the drug testing issues, I believe. He got suspended at LSU, right? Right. And so, but he fell and the Titans got value for him. So he's turned out pretty damn good for a second round pick. If Caleb Farley turns out pretty damn good for a first round pick and Roger McCreary turns out like like uh, Christian Fulton, I mean, this secondary is no joke, right? No. Because I this is how the Titans have tried to combat what has gone on in the AFC. They fought fire with fire, but their flame is defense, not quarterback. Everybody else, now, will that win? I, I don't know. We'll have to find out. But they at least sat with or stuck with Tannehill and said, we're going to concentrate on defense. So my answer is six, 
because I think that Caleb Farley has a lot to prove, and I think that the Titans will give him the opportunity to prove himself, right? It won't be McCreary stealing his reps. Farley's going gonna to get that rep, and Fulton has earned that rep. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, but I mean, the impact that he might have, he may be asked to take on a bigger role, obviously, later on in the season. And especially in the playoffs, so the Titans are to make it there again. Um, and the track record for John Robinson's second-round pick, Zach, has been pretty excellent, if I don't say so myself. I mean, obviously, Raiden's is still a wait-and-see game, but you mentioned Christian Fulton, A.J. Brown, like you said, Harold Landry. I mean, Derrick Henry was drafted in the second round. These are all big-time second-round hits in the draft by J-Rob. So, uh, you know, McCreary, and, and when you take a guy in the second round, you don't take him to put him on the sideline and let him watch right? Unless it's maybe a backup quarterback or, or a Malik Willis situation later on in the third. But McCreary's not going to be there to sit and watch Farley all season. That man's going to be getting some getting some time, right? Uh, we'll see where full, or Farley is at heading into the season. Obviously, those ACLs are, are never um, easy to come back from. We saw that last year with a couple guys, Dupree and Luan. And it's especially difficult in the secondary when, you know, your ability to cut on a dime and move and, and kind of shadow these dudes the, these elite speed guys in the nfl um it makes it a little tougher but yeah I, for me it's an eight man i mean one of these guys look injuries are guaranteed in football right there's no doubt about it that there will be injuries in the titans secondary next year there will be injuries on the titans defense there's going to be some injuries on the titans offense i mean at different points in the season mccreary will be asked to do a whole lot more than what he's going to be asked to do week one with a healthy farley assuming that farley will be healthy Still a long way to go this offseason, and with him, um, I, I don't think you can uh, count on that, really, with his track record and his injury history. But McCreary is going to be a big player for this Titans defense, not just this year, but for years to come, especially if Farley can't do it. We talk about um, a break glass in case of emergency. I think that Roger McCreary was the FBHP pick of the draft for the Titans. He's an insurance policy, right? Because, I mean, if Farley doesn't work out this year, Robinson has not been afraid to cut ties with dudes who you know don't meet his expectations early on in their time with the Titans, whether it's Isaiah Wilson, whether it's Kevin Dodd, whether you know he he moves on from these guys pretty quickly if he knows that they can't contribute. So McCreary could be asked to do a whole lot more than what we're expecting right now. I'm going eight on the scale of you, you know how his impact really is going to affect the Titans' success um, on defense next year. All right, A to Z Sports. It looks like Facebook has been a little bit wonky. I don't know why. You know, all of a sudden we've gone down to like two viewers on Facebook and in the comments saying that, um, you know, Facebook never called Facebook viewers, uh, can't see comments. So we apologize for that. That's not on us. That's on Zuckerberg. So head on over to our YouTube page and subscribe there. That's the easiest way as a backup. That's why we try to broadcast and we do broadcast on multiple platforms. So hopefully you're on YouTube. We, we will tweet out that link. I'll go ahead and tweet out that, uh, another link as we talk about Caleb Farley and the expectations we have for him heading into 2022. We talked about impact for McCreary expectations for Farley, but first you talked about that farm bureau health plan. I'm going to talk about it now. Farm bureau health plan, Better coverage, better rates, better service, 200-plus locations across the state of Tennessee. I made my switch at the beginning of 2022, and, man, my expectations were high. But you know what? Farm Bureau Health Plans met at my expectation, and it was awesome. I saved 20% per month for my old plan. I do have better coverage. I obviously have a better rate if I'm saving 20%. And I have better service. I've actually talked to people. I've emailed with people. 
they're real. They're not fake. You know, with my other plan, it wasn't good. I'll just say it was not as good as it needed to be. And I needed to take a real hard look in the mirror. And I did. Once I called Farm Bureau Health Plans, they helped me out. That's fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z. Go online today. Quick health assessment. After that, you get a quote. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there saving money with better coverage. fbhp.com slash A to Z. We've got some action on the hardwood tonight. Eastern Conference Finals, Boston Celtics and Miami Heat. Um, Whatever side you're going to take doesn't really matter here. With promo code A to Z200, A-T-O-Z200 on the BetMGM app or BetMGM website, you'll place a $10 money line bet on either of those teams. Whichever team you think comes out on top between the Celtics and the Heat, put $10 on the money line and turn that $10 into $200 when a single three-pointer is made in that ballgame. $10 turns into $200 when one team hits a three-pointer in that game. Doesn't even have to be the team you bet on. Put $10 on either the Celtics or the Heat. That $10 turns into $200 with code ATOZ200 when one single three-pointer is made tonight in the Eastern Conference Finals. 10 to 200 with code A to Z200. A to Z Sports. Let's talk about Caleb Farley real quick because Farley comes off a lot of injuries, let's just say. He dropped in the first round because of that. But first-round quarterback or cornerback in 2021 – rough rookie season in February John Robinson and Mike Vrabel spoke at I I believe it was the owners meetings and this is what was said to Jim Wyatt as he reported Vrabel says on Farley quote he looks like he's been rehabbing hard and doing what he's been asked to do I like his consistency he looks good and certainly looks stronger when I see him in the training room, end quote. That was from Vrabel. Robinson, this is what he said at the owner meetings on Caleb Farley, quote, he has really worked hard. He's been in there a lot working, rehabbing, changing his body. He's a taller corner and has added some mass to his upper body. He's done a nice job, end quote. So, you know, positive things there but at the end of the day you look at Caleb Farley and what he's been through it's been a lot he's had an ACL tear in 2017 had a back surgery and a back injury in 2019 didn't play college football in 2020 due to COVID concerns quote-unquote underwent another back procedure in March then tore his ACL in October. It's been a rough go for Farley. I mean, just what that, I mean, the toll. Yeah, I mean, your I, do you want to just let that sink in, Jack, of all the things? Torn ACL, back surgery, COVID, back surgery, ACL. We talk about, you know, physical toughness and how important that is in the NFL. Mental toughness is equally important. Is important. And going through all of those, I mean, it's it's really tough to stay on top of your game mentally. I'd imagine. I mean, you just you're ready, and then you got to you got to set back. You got six months, eight months, twelve months, whatever it is, to recover from this next injury. When will it end? You know, for Farley, he's got to be asking, when will it end? I don't I don't know how I would even be able to trust my knees after going through multiple ACLs and my back even um, after having to deal with some of the stuff he's had to go through. So. 
that's a really tough thing for a young player in the NFL. And, but, I mean, again, that's the risk that the Titans knew when they took him, right? They assumed the risk of injury after knowing what he went through and what he was coming off of and not having played football in quite a while. So the Titans knew that. It's not like this is a surprise for the Titans. They knew that something like this could happen, and it did. And now Farley's sitting here in year two, um, possibly stepping into a really important role in this Titans defense. But, again, health is such a huge question mark. I don't know how much I can trust them. Well, you look at the first-round picks, and I think this is the sobering thing, is you've got Corey Davis, five overall, Odori Jackson, 18. You've got Rashawn Evans, no longer with the team. You've got Caleb Farley, and you've got Isaiah Wilson. Mm. I mean, imagine if you hit on those. Or just hit on two of those. Right, I mean this this team is in a totally different spot, and it, it probably goes deeper into the playoffs than they did last year. If you just get two of those things right, and look, l- l- let me be clear: the ACL this past season for Farley was not his fault. I, mm-hmm. You know, it's not his fault that it was a it was an accident, it was an injury. It happens, right? It's football. But damn, damn, like that. That's what I think about it. I, I I'm like, you can't you're now going to be judged. It's like being in the doghouse over and over and over again. When you get put to the doghouse again, you sit there and you get in trouble. You're like, well, you've, you've already kind of built a history, right? And Caleb Farley had already built a injury history. And I was skeptical because of his back of them drafting him. But At that age went, for a back, that's that's not a good sign. Well, and they went, they went the route of Jeffrey Simmons. They had success with Jeffrey Simmons, who had torn his ACL. But that had, that was the only thing that had happened. Caleb Farley had already torn his ACL. Didn't this pick feel like kind of a heat check for J. Rob? You know, in basketball, how you how you've knocked down a couple big shots, tough shots. But he walk, hadn't. And you walked down. He the floor. drafted Isaiah Wilson the well, year before. Well, he did with Jeffrey Simmons, is what I'm saying. And drafting an injured player, he thinks, you know, maybe I can do this again. And, you know, finding value late in the first round on injured guys, this could be the new way. But, uh, you, you know, he, he's got, he got burned this past season with Farley. Again, I'm not saying that Farley's not going to be ready to play this year or be you know, even close to a bust. I, I still think there's a lot there with Farley and his physical traits. There's a lot to like but they need him to stay on the field. If he's not on the field, he's not helping you. You can't make the club if you're sitting in the tub, Zach. And right right now, Farley needs to find a way to get back on the field and stay on the field. All right, so what are your expectations for Caleb Farley this year? Well, that's a tough question. So he's going to be stepping in, hopefully, for um, Jackrabbit Jenkins, right? Jackrabbit Jenkins last year, he had some highs. He had a lot of lows, more lows than highs. So. I think my expectations are... Let, well, let me clarify this. Caleb Farley tore his ACL against Buffalo on the Monday night game in October. It was October 18th. So that kind of tells you the timeline of where he will be at the start of the season. You know, you get into that 10-month marker, but you also play corner. <laughs> And there's a lot of cutting. There's a lot of turning. You know, you're harder on your knees. That's just, it's a position that is like that. You're not running. And 
you know, I think the unique part about the cornerback position coming off of an ACL is it's not like a wide receiver who does have to cut but knows where he's going to cut. Cornerbacks don't know. They are guarding, unless you're playing zone, but you're either guarding an area or a man. And when you're guarding a man, you don't know where that man's going to go. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. And that's what makes it tricky. And it's all knees and hips, right? It's all in the hips, right? That's what Chubb said to Happy Gilmore. Um, but my expectations, I don't think that my expectations have really much of anything to do with his performance on the field. I just want to see him on the field. I want to see him on the field for a majority of the regular season next year. My expectations are 14 games out of Caleb Farley. 14 games and playing at a level close to Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Look, you mentioned it's hard for rookies, it's especially at the DB position, right? Playing corner in the NFL is not an easy gig. So, and it's going to take some time. We saw what happened with Elijah Molden last year, and obviously Farley was drafted above him. But coming off his ACL, it kind of makes you reevaluate where Farley is compared to Molden after all of those reps that Molden took last year. I mentioned Farley, just 60 snaps on the defensive side of the ball. My expectations are him to play 14 games at a level close to Jackrabbit Jenkins. You know, and uh, Titans fans, I get it. You're frustrated frustrated with how Jackrabbit Jenkins played, but you got to remember, man, the learning curve that that is applied to cornerbacks in the NFL, you don't jump in and are immediately effective at corner, unless you're taken maybe in the top five, top ten. Farley wasn't that. He could have gone there, but these injury troubles have kind of set him back and caused him to fall to the Titans in the first round last season. So my expectations are 14 games and just a competent level of play, right? You don't have to lead the league in interceptions. Hell, you don't even have to lead the Titans in interceptions. I just want to see you on the field contributing and, um, you know, kind of keeping those guys that we mentioned earlier, Buster Screen, Chris Jackson, uh, Greg Maven, those guys off the field. You want the more talented dudes on the field, right? Your best players help you win games. Caleb Farley is one of the best players in the Titans secondary, he needs to be on the field and helping the Titans win games. So give me 14 games out of Farley next year. So here's where I'm at. My expectations, these are my expectations because that's what we're talking about. I agree with Hot Doobie. Hot Doobie on, on YouTube. Hot Doobie says, I'm somewhere between above average play and great play. Great play? Huh. I, th- those are my expectations. He's a first-round pick. He was last he's, year, or last off season, but I, I know that doesn't change. But he's still no, no, no. He still was drafted in the first round. That didn't change. Well, Corey Davis was still five overall. That didn't change. That, the, Hot Doobie's correct. You're getting the love of the show, Hot Doobie. Smoke him if you got him. In somewhere in between, above average play and great play. Those are my expectations for Caleb Farley. No, do I think he can will reach that? Probably not. No, I don't. But. Those are my expectations for a first round pick. Yeah, you but don't I mean, get you don't get grace, bro. You don't get round, no grace for you. He's a first round pick just as much as he is a guy coming off an ACL surgery, right? I mean, what were our expectations for Bud Dupree last year? I mean, obviously pretty high, but you always in that conversation you said Buddy's coming off an ACL injury. So players coming off ACL injuries, I think you have to temper expectations a little bit. I just want to see the guy on the field for the first part of the season, right? I want to see the guy on the field contributing, breaking up passes, whatever it may be. But I, I'm not expecting a Pro Bowl or fringe Pro Bowl level of play out of him. That's what I'm expecting from Christian Fulton. I think Christian Fulton could be a Pro Bowl player this next season. But Farley's just got to be able to hold hold the wall, right? You ever watch Game of Thrones? Hold the wall. He's just got to hold the wall on that other side. Don't get picked on. Be good enough to not be picked on. 
the entire game. I think he can do that. Those, so those are my expectations for him. That ACL is the real deal, man. You, you're coming off an ACL. You're not going to be uh, – he's no Adrian Peterson, right? He's not going to win the MVP, the comeback player of the year coming off that ACL. He's just got to be decent enough to not get picked on and not be, you know, an absolute liability at the cornerback position. I still think above average play, great play. Above average to great play. He's a first-round pick. He, he also is wearing a single digit. Their <laughs> pressure comes with that. You want three, pal. You got to start playing like that. Not many people get those single digits as rookies. My expectations are just a bit Patrick's lower. Patrick's staying uh, the second or third, like junior, where whoever's in Denver. I don't know if he's uh, Patrick Sertan. I know that's his dad, so he's junior, right? Patrick Sertan, junior, or the third. Uh, this is Patrick Sert or Patrick Sertan the second. So, so not junior. He's just the second. I believe so. Well, he's got a single digit number, and he played like it last year in Denver. I'm 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 with Bobby Dingman here, old Robert. You're just setting yourself up to be disappointed. Well, he's a first-round pick. But he's coming off an ACL. That changed. It is the the first-round pick thing changed as soon as he tore his ACL last year. You, those expect those first-round expectations drop a little bit. Coming off a significant knee injury, the second of your career, it's it's hard for me to expect above average or great play. No, can he get to that? Like, do I? Ex so let me clarify that this season. Do I expect him in week four to be there? No, probably not. But do I expect him by middle of the season at week nine? Hell yes, I do. Week nine. Week nine. So Who do they play week nine? Let's sit here. This is I, Let's figure it out. Week nine. Let's go to the schedule. Look at those quarterbacks coming up. Oh, perfect. Sunday night football in Kansas City in Arrowhead. I'm going to remember this, Jack. That's when I expect Caleb Farley to play at a great or above average level of play. So what are your expectations for the first eight games then? Or the first eight weeks? Good. good. Not great, but good. Don't be a liability. Don't be Lawan against the Cardinals. Chandler Jones, uh, yeah. You know, don't, don't be that. Don't get burnt like toast, right? Like, don't give up multiple touchdowns. Like, stay in front of your guy. Don't get beat consistently. Those type of things, the easy things. Do I expect pick sixes, fumble, forced fumbles, uh, open field tackles that, you know, create chaos? No. But damn sure by week nine, I do. So week it, nine, that's when I, I th that he needs to be where he needs to be. So your expectations above between above average and great are really just for the second half of the season. You're discounting the first seven games of the season. To you're be just, good. You're, you're saying not a liability, right? No, yeah, that's not, not a liability. good. That's just not the worst, right? So that's somewhere in between well, the low second average, that you, average The second that you give up a long touchdown, you're a liability. So there's not a lot of room for error in, <laughs> in cornerback play, as we know, right? You're right, but I, I just don't know that the Titans this year can afford for him to be at just average level or maybe even below average for a little bit for the first seven games of the season. They they've got to win the first half because it's those it's the nine against Mahomes. Then you got the the Rogers Burrow. I'm leaving somebody Russell Wilson stretch out. Yeah, be good. He, he's got to be, be good. He's got to be more than good against those guys and the receivers that those teams have.
Well, look, you, you you go back to the schedule. You got New York. You got Las Vegas, the Commanders, the Texans. You have, and then the Colts are up in the air. We don't know what Matty Ice is going to be, but. The Bills and the Raiders, even huge matchups for Farley early on in the season. Yeah, well, because you forget about uh, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, they, they've got Waller over there. I mean, it's they're a problem. The Raiders too. are sneaky. Mm-hmm. And they've added to the defense. Their, their front four got a lot better with Chandler Jones. Um, so it, Farley's got to be better than just average for those, you know, two of those first three weeks, or else the Titans are going to be kind of treading water heading into that buy in, in week six, which is an early buy. So I, I expect above average, but realistically, I think average is is good enough for Farley um, just because of the odds that are stacked against him coming off an ACL, essentially being a rookie in terms of game experience. That's a tough position to come into and, and a lot of responsibility the Titans are putting in him. And again, I'm not counting Roger McCreary out of taking some of these really important snaps. These crucial snaps late in the game. I think McCreary is going to be on the field a lot. Who's now, healthy? Will man. it be without Farley? I'm not so sure yet, but that's what training camp's for. Well, we'll find out. And we'll also find out about our recorded sports trivia. Uh look, we got to get this. We got we got to do a good job here. We got to represent A to Z Sports well while Austin is out. Sports trivia is on tap, but first I am going to tell you guys about the Bone and Joint Institute. Don't fumble on your recovery. The Bone and Joint Institute has you covered. State-of-the-art facility down there in Franklin. They've got satellite locations in and around Middle Tennessee. I have had Dr. Thomas, one of their surgeons, he's operated on my shoulder. I had a torn labrum years ago. Fixed that bad boy right up. Now I feel I'm back to new. I'm back to new. I I can do the worm with my shoulder. I wouldn't be able to do that without Dr. Thomas. Right there, don't fumble on your recovery. The Bone and Joint Institute. We also have Doc Talks. If it's your ankle, your knee, your hip, your shoulder, your wrist, they have got a specialist for it. So visit them today if you're dealing with that. That is the Bone and Joint Institute. You know what would make me do the worm? A free $200. And that's essentially what you're getting on BetMGM when you use our promo code A to Z200. A T O Z200. Put $10 on a money line. On either of the NBA teams in action tonight, that's the Celtics or the Heat, put $10 on your favorite team's money line between those two, and that turns into $200 when a single three-pointer is made in that ball game. $10 turns into $200 with a single three-pointer made in that contest with code ATOZ200. Don't forget, you got to put that $10 wager on one team's money line, and it immediately turns into $200 as soon as the first three-pointer is made. It's free. It's easy. Use code A to Z200. All right, let's get to it. As always, our sports trivia brought to you by Brentwood Imprint, BrentwoodImprint.com, your brand on absolutely anything. They've been great sponsors. You guys have called them. You can go online. If you need, you know, right here, if you if you need your company's emblem logo on shirts, on swag, if you're helping your business out, Brentwood Imprint is the place to go. They sponsor our Tuesday trivia. All right, Jack, let's start this bad boy off. Are you ready? You wanted an NBA question, didn't you? Uh, you know, that, that's kind of, I, I feel like me and you could, that, that's our wheelhouse a little bit, right? 
We're big. Well, we're pretty big NBA guys. I'm going to give you your NBA question. Who won the NBA MVP the year Wilt Chamberlain averaged? Listen to this: fifty point four points and twenty two point nine rebounds per game. Who won the NBA MVP the year Wilt the Stilt averaged fifty and twenty two per game? Man, how did Wilt not win it? That's implying that Wilt essentially didn't win it after dropping 50 and 22, right? It's got to be either Oscar Robertson or Bill Russell. I mean, that's kind of where Bill Russell could have won it because he played for the Celtics and won a bunch of championships. Elks here. I'm thinking Elks may be onto something. Jerry West is another option uh, in that era. But Oscar Robertson, yeah, the walking triple-double, the the more effective Russell Westbrook. Um, that's That's a safe bet. Bill Russell was dominant. I mean, what was it? Eleven NBA titles that he won. So I'm leaning. I'm leaning the big O here. Let's let's go to the chat. You want to figure that? You want to see some of these guys' answers? What is the chat saying? Yeah, you got to help me on the chat as I, I look you. at the Oscar Robertson says um, run left. We've got Bill Russell, I think, from Derek R. Elk said Jerry West, like I mentioned. Nick Ewing says Bill Russell or Oscar. Big O Shannon says Billy Jones says Oscar Jabu says Bill Russell Titans Kyle agrees Bill Russell um, Charles Reese Big O oh here, here we go uh, Paulie D love you blue says Dr. J Julius Irving maybe I think he came a little after didn't he um, so I'll repeat the question one more time and then we get an answer who won the NBA MVP of the year Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50.4 points per game and 22.9 rebounds per game I think we've kind of narrowed it to it's either Bill or Big O. Right. Bill Russell or Oscar Robinson. Yeah. Man. I'm leaning Oscar Robertson here. Titans Kyle says, I'm pretty comf- confident in Russell. You want to lock? Uh, but then we've got Oscar. Go, Oscar. I'm pretty confident in Oscar. Not that confident, but I just have a good feeling. All right. You want to lock it in? Let's lock in Oscar Robertson. Uh, oh, was it Russell? Well, Chamberlain's numbers were otherworldly, but lost the MVP race to Bill Russell. I'm sorry, chat. I'm sorry, Titans Kyle. I'm sorry, Bill Russell supporters in the chat. Oh, gosh. That one's on me. All right, bad start. Next question. Why was Roger Maris never intentionally walked the year he hit 61 home runs? Mickey Mantle bat- batted behind him. Pitchers didn't think he was that good. Intentional walks were illegal or nobody had thought of it yet. <laughs> it's it's either got to be Mickey Mantle batted behind him or intentional walks were illegal. I feel like it, it would be intentional walks is illegal because, I mean... Why was Roger Maris never intentionally walked the year he hit 61 home runs? Just because a great hitter's behind you doesn't mean you can't be intentionally walked. Say say it's a tie game, bottom nine, two outs. You've got uh, Maris up to bat, right? You put him on base. You put him on first, for, first at every base for Mickey Mantle. I don't care who's behind you. You've got to walk that guy. I just feel like intentional walks must have been illegal. Because what was the option D? He hadn't thought of it yet. 
Uh, nobody had thought of it yet. But if Mickey Mantle is batting behind you, you're not going to do that, right? This is also but there are like situations that come up in games where you could do that. I. But Mickey Mantle was like feared. I mean, he was the <laughs> right. Yeah, well, obviously, and Jake brings up a good point. How can it be illegal to throw balls? I don't know. Look, it was like what the 1920s. So I mean, this yeah. Is so I, man, Jake brings up a good point. I think you tossed that one out. Yeah, he's convinced and, me. And and Ramon says intentional walks have always existed. Okay, I think it's Mantle. That's my gut. That feels right. I mean, it feels better than the other option. Uh, I'm gonna lock it in. Final A to Z. Why was Roger Maris never intentionally walked the year he hit 61 home runs? The answer is Maris was never walked because Mickey Mantle batted behind. Good, good, good job, Zach. Good job, chat. That's huge. All right, one and one. Um, what boxer was featured alongside Superman in a special edition comic book? published in 1978 george foreman muhammad ali leon spinks or sugar ray leonard my what, initial gut what <laughs> boxer was featured alongside superman in a special edition comic book published in 1978 is it george foreman muhammad ali leon speaks or sugar ray leonard my initial thought was George Foreman. Is it Muhammad Ali came a little after that, right? Or was he in the early 70s? It's Ali. Look how many Ali. Everybody Final A to Z. Yeah. The chat. Elks. Jabu. All day. Hot doobie. All right. Let's okay. you lock it in. Lock it in. Lock it in. Superman versus Muhammad Ali was an oversized comic book published by DC Comics in 1978. The 72-page book featured Superman teaming up with heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali to defeat to defeat an alien invasion on Earth. Good work. Okay, that was pretty unanimous. I don't know what I was thinking with George Foreman. Maybe it's because I like to uh, griddle hot dogs or something. But um, good, good. Muhammad Ali. That was too easy. It almost felt too easy, right? They give you that option on the test. Just seems like it's too easy. So I got to think a little harder. You overthink it. You outthink yourself. Boom. Right. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty good. Let's see here. I've got we've we've answered a bunch of these that I got to scroll through. We've done that. We've done that. Here we go. All right, next question. What PGA Tour golfer was suspended for using deer antler spray? <laughs> what PGA Tour golfer was suspended for using deer antler spray? So deer antler spray, isn't that like a, a performance enhancer? Yeah, because Ray Lewis sprayed it on his elbow before the 2012 Super Bowl versus the Ravens or versus the 49ers, excuse me. Oh man, let's see. So the 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 troublemaker golfers. We we've got the troublemakers. John Daly is amongst that crowd. I don't think we've seen a guess yet. Um, obviously, there's not multiple choice, right? We have no options. No options. This is a write-in. This is a short answer, as they say. 
Deer antler spray, who uses it? Who would have been hurt? Suspended for it, too. Okay, I'm seeing one. I'm, this is our only answer. Well, we got VJ. Oh. That's the only answer anybody submitted. <laughs> Titans, Kyle, this one's on you, man. Okay. Do we lock you it? You want to do it? Let's lock it in. It's better than anything I have. A former number one golfer in the world claimed that he wasn't aware deer antler spray contained a substance banned by the PGA Tour, and that golfer was VJ Singh. All right, Titans, Kyle, let's go. Good work. <laughs> All right, next question. What? Let's see. What are we? We are three and one. Three and one. Wow. Who's the first player ever drafted by the Carolina Panthers? First player drafted by the Carolina Panthers, Jake Delhomme. Um, Jake Delhomme, Steve Smith. I'm just throwing out options. Musud Muhammad. <laughs> Kerry Collins. Oh, Lord. Could potential for it. I want to say it's Musud Muhammad, but I don't know. Because that was the year of the expansion draft. Tony Baselli went one to the Jags. And I want to say Musud Muhammad was it. I wasn't around for this draft. So this is not something I remember. Julius Peppers is an option. Could so be Julius Peppers. If you have a gut feeling about Muhammad, I mean, because that's a random feeling, right? You gotta, you gotta kind of remember something special. Kerry Collins, Julius Peppers, here, here. Let's get in the chat real quick. Kerry uh, Collins, but see, my only thing is Musa Muhammad wouldn't be drafted that high. It's not Jake Delone because Kerry Collins played before Jake Delone. Polly D says Penn State Kerry Collins, um, Titans legend, two thousand eight season, never forget. Uh, I, I, I say. I think it overrides Muhammad. Let's go Kerry Collins. What do you think? Tim Biakabatuka? I like that name too, but he wasn't drafted that high. You want to lock it in? Lock in Kerry Collins. Penn State quarterback Kerry Collins was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Fifth overall pick in the 1995 NFL draft. First choice by the franchise. All right. Chat's on fire today. Good work. Kerry Collins, man. What year was that again? 1985. Wow. What NFL quarterback kicked a 91-yard punt? Michael Vick, Robert Griffin III, Roger Staubach, or Randall Cunningham? We're 4-1. Did Staubach used to punt for the Cowboys as well as play quarterback? That would make sense. I don't remember Michael Vick doing that. No. I don't really remember RG3 doing that. RG3 definitely never did that. So it's between Roger Staubach and Randall Cunningham. Oh, Chad's pretty convinced on Cunningham early I, on. Yeah, the Cunningham, I want to say he did punt the ball. Like, like, I'm not saying consistently, but he was an all-around athlete. Yeah, I could see him booming one with the wind behind him. I There, there was a Cowboys quarterback who punted and played quarterback. So Shane says definitely Randall. It looks like it's Cunningham. Yeah, that's the overwhelming majority. All right, you want to lock it in? Let's let's lock it in. Lucas says he saw it against the Giants. Let's see if he's right. In 1989, Randall Cunningham 
who had been all-conference quarterback and punter while at UNLV, unleashed a 91-yard punt <laughs> against the New York football right. giants. Spot on, Lucas. Good job, guys. The longest in Eagles history and the fourth longest ever. Had 20 punts during his career, average of 44.7 punts per yard. Or punt uh, yards per punt. I mean, what a cannon, right? Not only could he throw it deep, but he could punt it 91 yards. That's incredible. All right, NBA. We're going to end our, our sports trivia before we get to regular trivia on an NBA question. We are what? Six, we are five and one? Five and one. What player was drafted first overall in the 2016 NBA draft? What player was drafted first overall in the 2016 NBA draft? Should we just run it back from the top of? My gut overall? says it was Ben Simmons, but I, 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 I know he's number one, but it's the year. Could be Ben Simmons. Lonzo wasn't number one, was he? Because Lonzo wears number two. I feel like he was drafted number two. Who was drafted in front of Lonzo? Brandon Ingram. Where was Brandon Ingram? No, Brandon was, Ingram was drafted the by the Lakers. Pick. He was he was top three, but he wasn't one. Yeah. It's got to be Simmons. Let's go Simmons then. Okay, because we, we've got Titans Kyle saying Simmons. Titans Kyle's been in Fuego. Nick Ewing says Simmons or Fultz. Um, Billy Jones says Simmons. So we've got a few Simmons in the chat. Um, Zion definitely was not in 2016. Zion's much younger than that. Anthony Bennett, a forgotten bust by the T-Wolves. You remember Anthony Bennett going number one overall? That could be a wild card answer. Charles Reese, I like where your head's at. I grew up a T-Wolves fan, so I remember. These, these scars last forever on me. I think it's Simmons. All right, let's go Simmons. We've, we're getting more Simmons. Gator Hater says Simmons. Let's lock in Ben Simmons. A versatile forward, I wouldn't call him versatile, from <laughs> Melbourne, Ben Simmons played one season of college basketball at LSU, named consensus first team All-American. Simmons was selected number one overall in the 2016 draft by the 76ers, becoming the third Melbourne-born player being number one overall in 11 years. Ben Simmons, not versatile. Definitely not versatile, and you're right. Uh, they were saying Anthony Bennett was drafted by the Cavs. That's right. He did end up playing for the T-Wolves for a short period of time. Yeah, Ben Simmons. Wow. Well, I mean, what? A, imagine if Ben Simmons um, play, you know, played in Nashville. I, I feel like everybody, no matter where he goes, people are just going to hate him for the way he's handled everything. He said he would come back in that playoff series. And he never showed up. I mean, talk about a guy that probably is just in it for the money. And I get it. A lot of players are. And that's not a problem because it's your work and your money. But Ben Simmons, it's just obvious that he just doesn't care about anybody besides himself. All right, we got three more questions. We're six and one. Who was awarded the very first gold record? Nat King Cole, Perry Como, the Beatles, or Elvis Presley? Who was awarded the very first gold record? Nat King Cole, Perry Como, the Beatles, or Elvis Presley? I don't know who Perry Como is. I don't know who Nat King Cole Which is. makes me kind of think that's who it is, you know? <laughs> if it's the very first, it had to be long before the Beatles or Elvis Presley. 
the very first gold record. I I think we need to go like bizarro on this. this Elvis, is, the yeah. Beatles, and that King Co are, are too suspect. I don't know who Perry Como is. This is this is the question on the test, you know, where everybody tells you pre-ACT prep. If you don't know it, guess C. If you don't you know, know it, guess Cuomo. Guess the one you don't know. We've got some Nat King Coles coming in. Nat King Cole, Nat King Cole. <laughs> Stephen King. Uh, Nat King Cole. I, I, I'm going to override this. Uh-oh. I, and I don't play. usually do this. I'm going Como. I just, I think this is bizarre. It's too suspect. A lot of Nat King Coles in the chat. You're going to have to own up to the chat. I will. I will own up to it. I'm going to lock this in. Final A to Z. I, whoever Perry Como is. I, I really want it to be Perry Como so we get to know who it is, right? Because they Mark, at least it will explain the answer. Mark Jones getting specific. Dave Chappelle ran a skit on it. Nat King Cole. Does that sway you? I feel like you're pretty dug in on this Como train. I, I, I'm, uh, yeah, you're not going to get me. <laughs> I'm going Perry Como, final A to Z. Although there were earlier publicity stunts involving records sprayed with gold lacquer, the actual award recognized today as a gold record was first awarded in 1958 for his recording of Catch a Falling Star by Perry Como. I knew the first word, how you were reading it. You got it right. I could tell it in your in your face. Good work, though. <laughs> That's big time. Yeah. That was, that was a risk right there. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was um, a big time guess. Okay, we are... Seven and one. Damn, we're seven and one, Jack. This yeah, is like, keeps rolling. I mean, we're we're doing really good. How much pressure do the strings in the grand piano exert on the frame? 30 tons, 30 pounds, 300 pounds, or three tons? That's another guess. How much pressure do the strings in a grand piano exert on the frame? 30 tons, three tons, 30 pounds. Or 300 pounds. Are there any pianists in the chat today? Do we have any pianists here? This is going to be an absolute guess. I Total mean, guess. I don't know anything about piano. Come on. We've got to have one piano expert in the chat. Three tons? I feel like even if you know about pianos, you don't know this question. Lucas. Okay. Here's a couple... Gator Hater says 300. Lucas says 300. Elk says 30 pounds. 300 says Jabu. We're getting three. So that's three 300s. Bork, you better text her quick because we don't have all that much time. We can't. <laughs> no texting. There's no texting. The only one that you can ask if, if somebody is in the room. So Tons? if your five-year-old daughter is in the room, you could ask her if she knows then. <laughs> then. I'm, I'm with Robert. Tons seems excessive. I think the I think three hundred pounds crazy. is probably the pop, most popular. Yeah, let's lock in three hundred. A to Z final answer. Uh, uh oh. Each string has a tension of one hundred sixty to two hundred pounds. 
resulting in a total combined force of up to 30 tons. What? That's too much. All right, look, if that's the, if that's one we miss, that's okay. I'm fine with missing that one. All right, we are 7 and 2. Final question. It we're we're doing music, baby. <laughs> Last music. We got a music question. What is the oldest surviving musical instrument? What is the oldest surviving musical instrument? All right, there's four choices. Okay. Flute, trumpet, drum or lyre l-y-r-e i don't know what a lyre is i drum seems the simplest right all you need is your hand and something to bang on that does make sense what is the oldest surviving musical instrument flute trumpet drum or lyre but lyre may be our pericomo lyre could be our peri- alex doherty said uh lyre where'd he go there he is it's the lyre out he's pretty confident Al, you so we, this we're, feels we're, like something that Alex would know. By yes, way. it is. I trust Alex. Alex is good at this. I think that's our our answer. We're seven and two. We get to eight and two. That's huge. That's like I the trust. best we've done. I trust Alex Doherty with this question. Lear is just why number one. Why is it in there? All right, two, you want what me to is it? You lock it in? Let's let's do Lear. A to Z final answer. Oh no. No, it was a drum. It had to have been drum. Oh no. <laughs> no. Estimated to be about 43,000 to 82,000 years old, Dr. Ivan Turk of Slovenia Academy of Science the oldest known musician uh, musical instrument is made of an old cave bear femur segment with four holes the ancient bone flute bone flute <laughs> the ancient bone flute of course it's the bone flute oh man Yaz flute flute was not on my radar here the bone flute. Give me a break. A cave bear femur segment. So so okay. It's just a it's just a leg bone and a bear, a femur bone and a bear with holes in it. People just that doesn't surprise me. Cave people are crazy. I could see that in seven and three. Man, we were so good. I mean, seven and three is good, but that is pain. We missed the playoffs. Jake, you're right about that. We had to, and look, I'll take some responsibility here. You know, I've got to take some accountability. I went Oscar Robertson on the first question when Russell was the answer in the chat. I'll take some accountability. You can put this one on me. All right, seven and three. All right, guys, great show. Thank you uh, for interacting with us on this Tuesday. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow morning on a Wednesday. Don't forget the Tighten Up podcast. Don't forget the uh, A to Z Sports Podcast Network, wherever you get your audio podcast. We got you locked there. We will see you tomorrow. Adios.